We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned to the end of the interview, where I'll give you some actionable insights that I learned from my guest. These insights are also in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. Now on to my guest for today, serial entrepreneur and business advisor, Ezra Chapman, whose latest venture is LifeWise, an online platform for primary school students out of England. Ezra has been running businesses since he was 16 in a variety of areas, including services, recruitment, and financial tech. He's developed a strong foundation and vision on how to build a business, assemble and develop a leadership team, and then step away to allow those teams to grow the company. The key to success, Ezra says, is figuring out a set of core principles that will guide everyone's actions and ultimately shape the company's culture. Once the values are articulated and put into practical application where they guide decisions and teams are assembled based on these values, a business can really thrive. One of the values Ezra believes in is radical honesty, creating a culture where people can share what they really think. Another is seeking to understand. While passion for your idea is important, you also need to stop and consider 
the client's or customer's experiences and how they might experience what you're offering. In doing this, he provides an example of how a principle becomes a framework for making solid decisions about a business because it prioritizes the principle, as in the customer experience, over the passion. Ezra also stresses that one of the most important messages a leader can give is that he or she believes in the team and what they can accomplish. Now, let's get better together. Ezra Chapman, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jerry. How you doing? I'm, you know, I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. You know, we're on what? Month 15, 14, 13 of COVID. I don't even know. <laughs> it just sort of lost tra- over a year of, of, of that. And, um, I see some light at the end of the tunnel, which is great. And, uh, you know, I know you're over in the, in the UK, so you're having a different experience than I I'm having <laughs> here in, in the U S but it seems like, I don't know, fits and starts and fits and starts, but generally I think the world's world's coming out of hibernation. How, how's, how are things with you over there? Yeah. It's, um, yeah, I think that's how I'd describe it, actually. Coming out of hibernation, it's been a crazy uh, yeah, 13, 14 months, hasn't it? And, uh, yeah, the, the, the UK, um, I think we, we 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 sort of had a really tough start, but it feels like uh, everyone here has really got hold of the whole vaccine uh, piece, and, um, and we seem to do, be doing a pretty pretty good job. So fingers crossed. Yeah. The end of the tunnel for, for once, and we're looking forward to getting back to a bit of normality. Yeah, I think everyone is. So and and we'll talk we'll talk a little bit more about that a little a little later in the show and you know there's so many things that you're doing. I like I said before we started recording, I don't even know where to start. So, when I uh when I don't know where to start, I say, "Hey Ezra, why don't you tell me what how you got to do what you're doing today and then I don't have to worry about it." <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Where do I start? So, yeah, um so in running businesses, Jerry, um, run, running businesses, building businesses, um, and, and right now, probably the most topical business that we started, um, we started up and, and which is really flying at the moment is a, an education platform called LifeWise, um, which is for the primary school children in the UK, uh, which I think is the, ele- is, it, is that right, elementary schools in, in the US or five to 10 years old? Yeah, we, we call them elementary. It's from uh, basically kindergarten to fifth grade. Yeah, and I think it's, yeah, five to 10, roughly. And it depends on where you are, who you, what kind of school you go to. But, you know, I think that's probably a good, good definition of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah. So, so over here, we call that, that's the primary schools. And um, so, yeah, so um, how did we get into doing this? Well, do you know what? I've been running businesses since the age of 16. So actually, my first business was 16 years old. It was an in, uh, industrial cleaning uh, business, cleaning abattoirs and fish factories. And uh, and um, uh, so that's where it all started. And that funded uh, college and university. And then um, over the years, having grown and, and built a whole series of different different businesses in recruitment and services, tech, technology, uh, we're in the fintech space as well. And um, like I said, the most recent one is into um, 
into LifeWise. And I suppose we've got here with a lot of hard work, um, some successes and a lot of lessons on the way. Yeah, uh, I was, you know, looking through all the stuff you're um, involved with. And so would you say that you're a serial entrepreneur or would you say you're a parallel entrepreneur? Because I'm confused, honestly, by what's the difference between the serial entrepreneur that's got multiple businesses going and the parallel entrepreneur, which is doing it all. Do you make a distinction or do you use that label or how, how do you describe, you know, your proliferation and your scope, I guess, of what you do? Yeah. Yeah. So do you know what? I don't look at it like that. It's strange, isn't it? So I, th- I think, you know, one of the things that I, I've, I've always done is I, I love working with people, uh, people developing people. And, and that's led, as we've developed businesses, it's it's led to um, to building leadership teams, and I think what that means is that when you're constantly developing people, it's super super important, in, from my experiences, to not have any ceiling on the business for them. And what that means is that I sort of, as an as an entrepreneur, I try to remove myself from as much of the business as possible, as quickly as possible to take away that glass ceiling for people to grow and develop. So my role starts, you know, in, in, in different capacities, really. So I probably, uh, I don't really sit there and think, what type of entrepreneur am I? Um, uh, but yeah, I suppose, yeah, you probably, you'd have to say probably serial, serial entrepreneur. Yeah, it's all I've done, really, since I was 16 years old. Um, but uh, and, and, and because of the way that you build those businesses, you know, you, you start off and you found something, you you build a team, you develop them into a leadership team. And then my objective is always then to really become an advisor to that leadership team, whether it's in the capacity of, um, you know, in a non-executive capacity or an executive chairman role or whatever it is. But but that's my approach. Yeah, so, so interesting because I really like how you put this whole develop people and, you know, remove the quote-unquote glass ceiling. I mean, traditionally the glass ceiling is – been for you know women and minorities which you know i think is been kind of the traditional way people have talked about it but the whole general approach of i love starting businesses i mean i think if i looked on your linkedin you are you know currently i don't know it's like half a dozen <laughs> more and more like involved right but you're right it's interesting how you kind of I have this idea, I'm going to build a leadership team and then I'm going to, you know, become an advisor or chairman or let, let them grow and foster. So how do you go about doing that? Cause that's a, that's honestly a pretty rare superpower because a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of founders have a ton of ego in, well, I, I created it. I'm going to, you know, run this thing until it blah, whatever. I don't know. Like I'm just being kind of a bit of a curmudgeon today, but you know, this is, I think, similar to what maybe Elon Musk does or or Jack Dorsey over at, at Twitter and Twitter Square, or Stripe, or I don't remember. I always get them confused. So what's your approach to building these leadership teams? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a good question, right? So, I mean, it's everything, right? So the, 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 key, the key to it, first of all, right, with any business is being absolutely clear about what your principles and values are. And then... In terms of building your leadership team and the people around you and your first employees, they have to embody those values and principles. 
And I think that, 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 that what I see in, in, in most small businesses is people are too, they're too, uh, they're too keen to hire people to fix a short-term need that maybe compromises their values. And that's where people go wrong. And, and I think that, you know, so that so the building of a leadership, first of all, comes with incredibly hard work up front, working as hard as you can to identify and find that superstar talented person that can meet your short-term needs, but also you have total confidence on having sort of being able to, to not only sort of embrace your your values, but become a, a real ambassador of the values and principles of your business. And I think that's why, you know, as a, as a small business, it's so key to be clear about what those values are. And and I often look at a lot of companies and we talk about values a lot in, in, in principles, but they, they are so often, I don't know if you've been in this situation as well, Jerry, where you sit in a, a room with the, the leaders of a business and, or the, the team, the whole team, and you agree a set of values and, you know, they're sort of added to an induction training manual somewhere and they might be on a cup somewhere or on the side of a wall. But then the next time that they're really reviewed ends up being the next time that the induction training manuals reviewed. And yeah, and- no, no, you're right. You're right. It's a lot of lip service, a lot of buzzword bingo, a lot of like we transform and collate the vapors of human existence into a tangible form by empowering and inspiring our employees to be, you know, like, yeah, well, you know, like so much BS, you can tell, especially, I mean, this happens also with brand storytelling, which is what I've been doing for the last five or six years. The same thing, like it, it, the brand, what the company you're building first and foremost is built by people and people matter more than any technology, any product service. It does like, it's almost inconsequential what a team can build to be successful because they could build anything if they're a good team. And as you mentioned, they have these kind of core principles and values. And um, that's, kind of lost, I think, you know, and, and I'm glad you really brought that up because I I'm always, I'm always looking for good ways to do that. Or at least, you know, when I help young entrepreneurs build their businesses or advise them or, you know, have coffee with them or whatever, it's always hard for me to explain that. So I was, you know, if you could expand a little bit more on that, because I mean, you're built, I don't know, dozens (laughs) of businesses. Okay. So I'm just going to say it now. I think you know what you're talking about. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I tell you what, I, I'm I'm so passionate about this, and and, I, and the people we we work with in the businesses come to be super passionate about it. And do you know what I've found, Jerry? Right, is that the biggest issue is that people think about values in terms of what best represents their business. Okay, so it becomes a bit of a a bit of a you know, let's find the best word to match it. And I think that. That's great, and that's fantastic for that moment in time. But what I've found, and, and, and we've spent a lot of time on this in each of the businesses we work on, is I look for practical values, okay? And what I, call, what, what I say a practical value is, right, is a value that I can refer to on a practical basis that I can say every day. And, and, and one of the best ones that we – I think the best example that we, we use – is everyone has normally an integrity or an honesty value. And our value is radically rad, uh, radical honesty. 
And I know there are a few other businesses which have used that as well, but it's the best example of a practical of a practical value. And I can give you an example of it, which is that the teams I work with, that value gives all of the teams the the uh, the strength and it gives them the value to refer to to be completely open and honest with their peers. And it means that we hear it all the time. It's, it's used on a daily basis in our business because what happens, they go, well, look, we'd like to paint that car, that wall blue, Ezra. And then, and then someone goes, look, I've got to be radically honest with you. That's a terrible idea, right? And the point is that it gives them a sedge into using that value consistently. And so um, um, and so what, what, when we're looking at those values in companies, it's, it's a strange term, but I look for them to be practical values, values which can be guiding values and principles used on a, on a daily basis. And I think that everyone, anyone that's building a business needs to, ha- needs to totally believe that if they get the right values in their business and they themselves apply them, on a consistent and regular basis because they truly believe in them and they're practical, you can use them, then within three months, you'll have a management team, you'll have a sales team, you'll have the whole team, the whole business using using them and they'll be embedded and they'll become guiding principles for your business. And and and, and that's and that's something that that we've been super, super passionate about in all, all the things that we do really. Yeah. No, it's, um, it's interesting that you bring up the practical values because – when I was at Cypress Semiconductor back in the day, because I don't do corporate stuff anymore because I'm unemployable and unmanageable, is <laughs> like what I like to say. It's not true. I just joke about it. But um, we had this uh, culture there that, again, I, I love this whole practical value. What can you like say every day or do every day that's going to reinforce the values of your company? And at Cypress, it was... Thing, this thing that we called um, precision, precision question and answering, or the way it was always phrased to us is that if someone asks you a question, your answer must be yes, no, or number. You never, ever, 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 ever elaborate until you've said yes, no, or a number. And it sounds silly and stupid and crazy and a little bit like, I don't know, robotic in one sense. But the reason we did it this way is we it was a semiconductor company. So it was driven by numbers and data and super techie, right? Just like, I mean, TJ Rogers, who was the CEO at the time, is just notorious <laughs> for being a hard guy to deal with. And he's very like smart and he will crush you in a nanosecond. Right? No joke, right? He did that to me so many times. Like I've got gray hair and scars from it. But we live this whole precision question and answering. We, we, we live this whole action-oriented, goal-oriented every day. Um, and, you know, we had, I never knew, I never, I couldn't tell you today what the mission, vision, and values of Cyprus were, but I can tell you that we valued precision question and answering for sure. And we valued this other thing called root cause corrective actions, which were the worst meetings on the planet. It, there is nothing worse than a root cause corrective action meeting at Cypher Semiconductor. I can't think of anything worse than that. So, um, so from a so these practical values are do they differ from team to team? I mean, you, you talked about 
you know, radic being radically honest. Are there other ones that you found that are kind of consistent across the companies that you help build? I think that, I think that that, that, that that each company's different for sure. I actually radical honesty is something which, from a personal perspective, that's the one one uh, uh, one example that I like all of the businesses that I'm involved with to to adopt, and. The, the, the speed of which it's adopted across the teams and across the businesses. And it's amazing, you know, in our, our last business, you know, we had sort of 15 offices around the world, five or 600 staff. And um, you could literally walk into, you know, we, we would set these values, these practical values and discuss them, you know, in central sort of leadership meetings in London. And then when they were practical and when you got your leaders really, you know, and your leadership team really bought into them, you know, you could go to a you know an office in the Philippines or or an office in in in, in Istanbul or or Marrakesh, and you walk in and people would be using the same the same terminology. It really did filter filter down and um, and according to to what you know. It, so so in each business, I, I really believe that it's important that the whole business itself, the values reflect what what the guiding principles are of of that business. Um, but uh, but but I, I love the example that you've given there about the the semiconductors because that's just a a fantastic uh, it's a fantastic principle which I'm sure must have driven an incredibly um, it must have been driven an incredibly efficient culture that that style of question and answering. Oh, it was almost too efficient. <laughs> I mean, I could tell you stories all day about. The, I mean, it was insane amount. I mean, the, the, anyone that's ever worked there, you know, former Cypriots, as we would call each other's or Cyprus, you know, people, anyone that ever worked there, it, it completely changes the way you think about the world. And so th all that stuff applied to like all the soft quote unquote skills or more subjective type departments like marketing, PR. Could you imagine you're in a marketing meeting and the the um, the way that you're interacting with people is this yes no number precision Q and A thing. I mean, marketing is the most marketing PR communications is the most mealy mouth buzzword bingo thing on the planet. I mean, I think that's a bad thing, is you know right? Um, because that those kind of words and that kind of kind of attitude that doesn't allow ideas to spread. And I think what you just nailed it right on the head. The, the success of practical values, I think, can be measured not only in, of course, the values being effective, but how fast they can ubiquitously spread across a multinational, gener uh, multinational company. And if, if you think about communications and your brand as an example, as an entrepreneur, and you want to go viral or spread the word, you guys just nailed it. The, 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 the practical value is the equivalent of a meme. Like you got to make these memes because what you can, you know, it's not really what you say, it's what you tolerate and what you do that matter. And having an easy way to repeat and spread your practical values. Gosh, really good. That's, are you going to write a book on that or are you, did you already write a book and I don't know about it? No, no, I haven't, but I mean, I, I can't take the, the credit for that. You know, it's something that I, I've worked with amazing people um, over the last uh, over the last ten or twenty years, and, and we've had consistent business partners in lots of the businesses we've done. And um, and and I think that 
you know, when you come back to the the example you have of the semiconductor business, there, you know, it's whether you whether you um, the, the question is is this, Jerry, right? Which is whether you agreed or disagreed with that style of questioning. What you have experienced there is it is the ability to create incredibly powerful cultures. Whether you thought it was good or bad, it sounds like you were in an incredibly heavily influenced, you know, incredibly strong culture. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh. It, it, like I said, anyone that knows anybody that ever worked at Cypress Semiconductor, I mean, that was sort of what, if you were, if you were new to the business, you kind of went to a, 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 like a half a dozen companies like that to learn the right way to do it. I mean, literally the innovation there was not in, we build innovative, cool products, although they did some of that. But the problem was, is that the culture didn't really like anything to do with taking a risk and failing because it was geared towards, we make the best semiconductors in the world. And I mean, there's no, was no one better at like yield enhancement, like all these things. And of course, TJ will say, no, we're super innovative. Look at all these patents and stuff. But from a practical point of view, you you know it was hard to screw up there like if you screwed up like i said those root cause corrective action meetings they were they were the worst they're the worst meetings i've ever been in Amazing. um yeah i mean one time i was in one i was in i think it was we were doing a bluetooth chipset first bluetooth 1.0 that's how old i am back in the day you know and I remember I'm leading, I'm the project manager for this Bluetooth, you know, program. And we're on our seventh trouble meeting, right? Just, so just imagine <laughs> one trouble meeting's bad enough. And there's seven of these things. That were, and wow. I remember presenting to it and we had so many problems. It was just this nightmare of a problem. And I, I wrote about it in my first book, Frustration Free Technical Management. And uh, literally I was on slide one and TJ CEO of the company stopped me and literally was, I mean, his, the vein on his, and on his forehead was just pulsing. He was turning. He was, he was going to, I thought he was going to kill me. I, and I'm not joking about that. Like he's the kind of guy where <laughs> four letter expletives were just his common speech. It, it, it Cyprus felt like a Navy ship. I mean, we, we were just raw with emotion. I mean, and, and, and hard, hard to deal with sometimes. Right. But you know, four letter expletives, every other, every other word <laughs> it was just, it was insane. And I remember he sits there and he's questioning me back and forth and, you know, and, and he's just getting madder and madder and madder. And then he finally got so frustrated that he said, we were called the wireless team. He's like, wireless team, you have 30 days to solve this problem, or I'm going to fire all of you. And there was like a hundred of us. Right. And then he's like, get the F out of my boardroom now. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we walked out <laughs> and this is how, this is how driven it was to be like, I hope you got the message. The next day he's like, sends an email to the whole team. This is the CEO of the company sends an email to the whole team and says, you have 29 days left. I hope you use your first day wisely. <laughs> Incredible. And, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, that's culture, right? That's culture. How do you think generation Y would have, uh, would have would have um, uh, survived in that. Oh, I think there would have been so many lawsuits. I mean, there was a time. I mean, <laughs> he so I, I, uh, 
TJ taught me a lot and I, I'm not going to bash him for like, he, he was a maverick and a revolutionary. Don't get me wrong. Right. He was a hard guy to work for, but I mean, yeah, no, he, he would, I could just go on and on about all the stuff I learned there and all the craziness, but, but yeah, like the, that culture was so ingrained in this do the right thing, numbers driven, very data driven. I've never been at another company that's been as data driven. But the, but the important lesson there, right, Jerry, is just is not necessarily whether you agree with it or not. It's just to to to, to anyone starting a business, right, is that that's achievable. The ability to create a culture where everyone completely embraces or adopts, maybe they didn't embrace it back in in in, in some respect. But you know, they ended up adopting it, and they adopted the principles. And here you are—I don't know how many years ago that was—but you know, here you are reciting the principles of that business. You know, the main principles, and you know, and, and that's the key for me. That you know, anyone anyone who wants to start a business needs to take confidence from that to know that if you if you really embrace the values and principles, I, I can share my views in a minute on maybe principles. But if someone if you really embrace them and you really make them practical, i.e., these are these are values and principles you can refer to on a day-to-day basis. Then, and it, as a leader, if you can consistently refer and use those as uh, almost a framework through, through which you communicate and you, you talk to your teams, then very soon, very quickly, your business will adopt it. And I think what you're talking about there, about that whole way of questioning, um, the way that you were communicating for me, that's like a that's a guiding principle, and yeah. and those principles again, they are you know your your ability to identify and to communicate and to embrace the right principles. For me, they are like the they are culture defining, and they are also the framework for guiding your decision making. And, yeah. and I think you know one of the biggest issues I think I see in a lot of businesses is people get so stuck into needing to have the knowledge. Okay, they, they want information, they want the knowledge. And I think the key for me is when we're developing people, when we're looking at teams and leadership teams, et cetera, it's about de- developing skills and tools to acquire knowledge, right? To, to, to become incredible communicators or, or having the right skills to, to, um, uh, to uh, make good decisions. And, um, and, and, and that for me comes from having the right values and principles. And and I, I think when whenever I'm reading with all of the amazing success stories in, in you know different entrepreneurs, whether it's Jeff Bezos or or Steve Jobs or any of these guys, they've got such clear principles. You know whether it's you know I could I could reel off four or five principles that I work from which I use consistently, but then they're not come from me. That you know they're from Steve Jobs or from Jeff Bezos, but they just make total sense. Things like you know don't hire smart people and tell them what to do. Clear principle. Right, you know, great principle uh, to effective leadership, and I think if you can, and, and developing a set of principles is not something that you need to experience for yourself. But actually, we 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 look around and we see other people uh, uh, that are using these on a that have been incredibly successful, and if they're meaningful to you, and if you if you're running a business right now and you're thinking to yourself, actually, that re- re- yeah, what Jeff Bezos said there about customer centricity you know there's nothing more important than being totally customer focused if you really believe that and if you really believe that that is um key to the success of your business then you need to adopt that as a principle and 
and let that become a guiding light for all of your decision making, for defining your culture, for the way that you hire people, the qualities and characteristics you look for people, the way you set your meetings up, uh, the way that you do personal development reviews. Everything can can revolve around those those principles. So, I can, I, Jerry, I can talk to you about this for hours, but I'm, I'm incredibly- <laughs> there's one thing I can tell you that you know if you work hard, okay, and you make consistently good decisions more good decisions, you will go pretty far in business. And I think that the, the the power of those values and principles is for the second part of that, that if you've got, if you stick to a good sound set of guiding values and principles, you'll make more better decisions more consistently. Yeah. So that, 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 that's, that, that, that's it. I mean, wow. Wow. I mean, like, I mean, you know who Ray Dallow is, I'm assuming. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, he he wrote the book Principles, which I think just reinforces your sort of methodology slash kind of ethos around, you know, love, you know, love the whole like developing the skills and tools to acquire knowledge. Like you're never gonna know everything. And I think a lot of young entrepreneurs, frankly, I think young people in general, you know, they've got so much to learn, <laughs> right? That it's it's overwhelming. And when you get a little older, you sort of start to realize, oh, actually, <clears throat> the most important thing I can learn is not the knowledge. There is some knowledge, and that's important, but it's to develop the the skills and the tools to look at these sort of first principles or so these fundamentals so that you can kind of guide yourself in decision making. And I, I like to say, you know, there's there's these heuristics, there are these principles, and then there are these guardrails in which to operate. And when you're kind of outside the guardrails is when you got to worry, right? Like, oh, we're off the, that's what off the rails, like for a train, like, oh, we're off the rails. We got to figure something out. Uh, what are some of like, you mentioned a couple of three or four of maybe five principles um, that you adhere to. Can you kind of go through those and tell us how they came about and why, why they're important? Yeah, well, I, you know, I could talk to you about this forever. So, I mean, the first thing is that I, I grew up, my, my, my father was really uh, uh, influential, and, and I think I got this from him, where he, he, he said a few things quite consistently to me as, a, as, a, as I was growing up. And, and those, and I, I, then I, I naturally realised that I was building a set of principles from a, unknowingly from a very young age. And, uh, and, and I think that as I've, as, as, as I've developed and, and, and as I've got older, I've, I've then recognized that actually I've become more, much more conscious and more, 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 more aware of those, those principles. And I think the key is that, you know, nearly all the majority of entrepreneurs, I, know, I don't know about you, Jerry, but most of the entrepreneurs or people that want, want to start businesses, I would say a good proportion of those guys read, read, read books and they read lots of articles and content. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, I would say. I mean, most of the people that I know, yeah, they read a ton of books. And what's interesting is that I'm always, it's like someone needs to create a way for me to share all the books that I come across to like just to to text all my buddies because I literally like don't want to group text them because some people don't know each other. But yeah, like all the time, they're yeah. always, anytime I talk to someone, they're like, if you know any, have you have any good books? Can you send them yeah. along, you know? Absolutely right. And now in those books, there are people that are generally telling stories about their businesses and there's business books and there's 
uh, yeah, there's autobiographies and there's all, all different, you know, yeah, all, all different, all different book, but fantastic books out there. And in in all of those, there are people, you know, whether you read, whether it's Steve Jobs, like we said, Jeff Bezos, Ray Dalio with his with his principles, um, whether it's um, any of those business leaders, or whether it's the the books which talk about the inner workings of Netflix or Google, you know, all these books um, are written and, and they share lots of the learnings and some of the key principles of all these all these businesses and. And I think that the key is it's funny. I have a guy that works with us in, in LifeWise, who um, and he's one of my, our, one of our partners in there. And um, and he is um, he when I first met him, he used to read a ton of books. And and I and I noticed that he was reading this. And I asked him one day. I said, "You read these books, great. Yeah. How much of that do you really? How much what you read do you really put into practice?" And he was like, "Well, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think I'd like to think I refer to it." And I go, "Well." I think that the key for me is that in every one of those books, there's a whole load of, of learnings and, and people, there are incredible people that have made tons and tons of mistakes and have learned hundreds and hundreds of lessons with incredibly smart people. And they're prepared to share those, those, less, those principles with us, right? And so every time that I'm reading a book, there's always at least one if it's a really good book, there's always normally one key principle that either affects a principle that I've already thought about and I, I, I work with it and it broadens it or it sharpens it or it launches a completely new um, principle. And I can give you loads of examples of, of, of where they come from. And I think it's just, first of all, it's just having an awareness of and realizing that all of those people that are sharing all of those stories are giving you all of the, the tools that you need to effectively make good decisions if you're running a business right and um so i can't claim to be the author of all of them but i can, can, can i can claim to to have learned from them and um and there are loads of them and and you know so that we mentioned uh, earlier about uh, steve jobs you know the two which you know i, I think about from and, and the reason i refer to people by the way is it's my way of remembering them yeah. uh, <laughs> and that's very visual so but yeah, Steve Jobs is, is 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 don't don't build what your customer wants because by the time you built it, they'll want something else, right? And so um, you have to think beyond. You know, you have to take into consideration what your customer wants, but look beyond it. And another one from from uh, 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 so and you know, Jeff Bezos is an obvious one around customer centricity. You know, those guys wanted to be the number one most customer centric company in the world, and just look at how how well that's you know, enabled them to to cut through and become such a you know dominant business. But then there are less obvious places as well, Jerry. Right? So, uh, have you seen that? This is going to sound slightly weird, but have you seen the um, have you seen the TV show uh, Making a Murderer? Uh, I've heard of it, but I haven't seen it. No. Okay, great. Well, look. It's a it's a strange it's a, it's an interesting US TV show as you're probably aware. But in the second season of that there's a um there's a an incredible lawyer and um she goes through how she unravels this case and then she and and, and what she says is that the way that she gets to really understand the case is to experience it so she actually role plays the whole case as to how she's seen it fold out with all the people involved and it gives her the most sort of um, in-depth understanding and appreciation and feeling for what her client went through and how to defend them. 
And so that became a principle for me because I'm a massive believer in, I'm a massive believer in absorbing yourself into your audience as a business. And she referred to something to, to, to understand it, experience it. So that from that completely random TV series. Oh, I uh, love it. Comes, comes an incredibly powerful thing. And so whenever I'm thinking about, oh, is this a good idea? Oh, let's do this. I think, right, great. Let's, let's experience it to understand it, first of all. Or huh. try to, yeah, throw ourselves in. So, so hopefully that gives you a bit of insight into, into like, you know, how those sort of values and principles really, really, um, really evolve. Yeah, I like that. You know, um, let, let's experience it to understand it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I find that's the same with anything. And I think that's this curiosity with the like learning. Um, one of the things, you know, when I was a kid, you know, my, my dad was an engineer and so naturally, you know, following the family trade, I guess, but he was a engineer that worked United airlines. So his job was to make sure planes don't fall out of sky, right? That's like, he was electrical engineer, you know, very important job. Um, But he had all these books and these were like, not, you know, most people like, oh, you know, my, my mom and my dad, they read all these, you know, fiction and novels and everything. And my mom did some of that. And so did my grandmother and my grandmother had when, when we would go on my mom's mom, when we go on vacation, with them to like Mexico, she would bring a grocery bag full of Harlequin romance novels to read on the beach. Right. It's just like constant, like, wow. But the books that my were at my house as a kid were like, you know, fundamentals of physics, electrical engineering, one, you know, algebra, calculus, mathematics. So, and I I didn't know, I would just thumb through these and there were picture books and books of, you know, popular mechanics and science, like all the stuff like that engineering type people would uh would learn or would read but what was interesting is it got me like just fascinated with oh if i want to learn something you know pick up a book um and i had had this uh had my friend um nick on uh the other day and he's a pot sports podcaster and great great content generate great guy and he's like yeah every if i want to learn something i just go to youtube and say how to do you know and he's like i've learned everything on youtube and i'm like wow it's so fascinating that 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 kind of thirst for knowledge you know so um yeah one of the other things that i have like kind of my principle one of the things i live by is that if you've experienced something you need to share it and write about it um partly the reason why I wrote the entrepreneur ethos. So uh, do you, as part of this sort of process of developing teams and companies, do you, do you write this down? Is, is this like a training process or is it just kind of in your head? Uh, I think um, for sure, the, the, from a values and principles perspective and all that. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I will definitely write, write stuff down to, 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 um, to, to, to remember it and uh, and I think and I think there's also I was reading another book just recently called um, uh, measure what matters if anyone hasn't read that it's absolutely incredible and uh, it's a it's a um, absolutely yeah a brilliant a brilliant book on sort of objective setting um, objectives and key results and and about the how Google and a whole load of other businesses have really got off, um, an, an objective led um, and super efficient uh, 
super efficient operating culture by using something called OKRs. Uh, have you have you read that? I've seen it. Yeah, uh huh. I've read it. I've read it. That's uh, is that the that's not the OKR thing, is it? Yeah, that is. Yeah, John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I always get them confused. <clears throat> my uh, one of my friends, Ravi, who's the CEO of of Sutro, um, he's a big fan of OKRs, yeah. and uh, he has a startup. I mean, Sutro is a startup, and so he this was it's been almost a year since he sort of developed these o, the, the OKR mentality and methodology and. His his principle is similar. You know, the measure what matters is important. But what's super fascinating, and that's that's a great example, I think, of you know adopting a, other frameworks. I think they use that at Google, or that's yeah, where they originally yeah came up with it. So yeah, so is yeah, it? So, 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 so what I was saying there, Sega. Sorry, was that the that the um, so the uh, you know I, I recently was reading that book and. And I make tons of notes whenever I, whenever I really, when I, whenever I really feel like I'm embracing something that can really significantly improve, you know, my operating model or, or the business or myself, or it's a yeah, really valuable principle. Um, for sure. I make tons of notes and I was going to sort of say, you know, that even just on objective saying I must've written about 15 pages of notes in terms of how it affects the culture and, I think I, I don't know about you, but writing, yeah, writing things down is in a super important way from 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 a learning perspective, from my perspective. Oh, oh, I have to, I have to. Uh, you know, one one of the, the was interesting is uh, when I was in graduate school getting my MBA. One of the things that I wanted to practice was writing. You know, and I, I'm I'm an okay writer. Like I, you know, I I can crank stuff out. Like I'm I, I have the mentality that this is another like kind of mantra is like. Um, I write for pay, not for praise. So I like have the kind of level set on that. <clears throat> and one of the things that I did in order to really like learn all the principles of business was I wrote a blog series on my blog called Business Basics for Entrepreneurs. And it was literally like the notes from all my classes. And so I wrote this whole thing. And this was like 10, it was over 10 years. It was a long time ago. And it it solidified it in my brain. So yeah, I have to write stuff down. In fact, as we're talking, I'm like writing notes to ask you questions about stuff. So that, that's the way I internalize it. And that's, that's, that's where, that's what that mantra came about of if you've been through something, share it, or if you've been through something, write it down. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's the reason why I write books. That's the reason why I blog. I, I have to, I feel that if you've, you know, battled the dragon, slayed the beast, so to speak, and you, you know, got the gold and you came back and you live to tell the tale that you should tell the tale because you're right. I love the fact that you, you know, quote all of these, you know, business leaders. And and what's interesting is that everyone that's gone through anything is something to contribute. I mean, I love hearing, this is why I do this podcast. I love hearing stories from all sorts of different entrepreneurs about their journey, because I always learn something. It doesn't matter if they're 16, 20, 50, 80, like you can learn something from everyone. And that's another kind of rule I, or principle I, I live by, like always be open to learn from anyone. And I think that's really cool that, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that, um, yeah, you, you should really write a book. <laughs> really write a book, man. I've never, I've never considered it. I'll have to, uh, when, when, when we jump offline, I'll ask you, 
a bit about that. But yeah, um, but maybe 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 when I get a bit more time in the in the future. But I I always feel that it, yeah, unlike you, Joe, you've taken the steps and you've done that. I'm, I always feel like there's I, there's no need for me to write because there's an endless amount of amazing stuff out there that I can learn from. Does that make sense? So I, I suppose. Oh never, oh oh, totally. No, I get it. No, don't. That, yeah, totally. Like I, I never think about doing get, getting out there and writing about it. But I think the other thing is when you're running businesses, it's always a moving beast, isn't it? You know, like, yeah. I mean, you're running your business, and no no day is the same. Nope. You and and it sounds like. You're continually, obviously, you're doing something more than me. You're, you're learning, developing principles, and getting these experiences and sharing them. Which is, I suppose, you're you're sharing them externally, and I think I, I probably internalize that. In I spend my time really focusing, doing that internally, really. Yeah. No. I mean, I think it's a similar process. I mean, I think I think in that way, you know, our approach is similar. Um, I just happen to sort of do it more in public. I mean, this, again, this podcast is all about exploring the traits, values, and beliefs and skills of all sorts of different entrepreneurs. And the whole goal is to build a more inclusive, resilient, um, world. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think everyone plays a role in that. And, and, you know, you building great businesses and good leadership teams that can, you know, share your quote unquote meme, <laughs> you know, your, 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 your business DNA, so to speak, um, is, is, is the, is the power of what we do as entrepreneurers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, I totally, I'll tell you what's really interesting. I'll give you another example just recently of something, which is really cool. So I, I work with my local soccer team down from the, the, the Oh, and you can call it football. I'm, I am of the educated class. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, UK football, but soccer over where you are. But uh, but yeah, I worked with with this, this these guys, and it was a little village football team. And um, I used to be my home team down in Cornwall. You know, it's a five hour drive from where I am now in London. And um, and I worked with them for about four or five years, and we raised money, and we built stands, and we uh, we we launched an academy for. Uh, for, with for children from in, in fact this is where lifewise came from so oh these guys, cool I, i'll tell you the story very quickly but what happened was it was a little village team and i went down there and my friend was who i went to school with he was the he was the chairman the treasurer and the manager and i was like and i was like wow you look pretty overworked here you know in this little club and uh he said yeah you know it's and and i helped them restructure and create a committee a uh, bit, bit of a bad committee, and then I disappeared for 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 eighteen months and stayed stayed in contact. But they they and they this new committee with this new leadership structure started to get some real success. And I went back down about eighteen months, two years later, and um, one of the chaps, he's about seventy five years old, he sits on a committee and he said to me, "I said Ezra, you know, what's next?" And I said, "What do you mean, what's next?" He said, "Well, you know, you you, you helped us get that committee, and we've achieved all of our everything that we wanted to achieve, but we want to go a bit further than that." And I said, oh, I wasn't aware of that. I said, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm staying in a hotel. Why don't you come and see me in the morning for a cup of tea? Anyway, the next morning I, I woke up, went down for breakfast, and there were 12 people. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, wow. I was like, okay, cool, guys. And, and there's wow. three or four guys that I went to school with from four or five years old. And, and I said, and I go, well, look, what is it you guys want to achieve? So first we'll start out. I said, well, we really want, we've experienced some success 
the last few months haven't been so great, but we'd like to go on them. So I said, well, what would you like to do and how would you like to do it? And it was this terribly merciless thing where they go, well, what happens is to, to, to go up the leagues and to improve, basically what you do is you pay players more than other clubs and then you win and then you go up the, I was like, Jesus, that sounds terrible. You know, like, yeah, it's just can't be that mercenary, surely. And, um, and, uh, so I said, surely there's a better way to do this. And, and they had a bit of funding because this new committee had launched a camping business and the camping business is generating income. So now this one-man band had turned into this um, into this thriving little club. So we went back to it and we realised that the, there was an opportunity for, um, for actually to create a club with a really strong vision. And that vision was going to be sort of sent around the community and people and youngsters because there was really poor standards of coaching in the area. Anyway, long story short, 18 months later, it gone from uh, it went from nothing to about 300 children in an academy, and we then launched, we, we we raised a load of money, we improved the grounds and the, the best facilities, and the team's been incredibly successful. And um, I helped them put in a new chairman, and, and and then had to step away to take that glass ceiling away, and just let them thrive. And 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 I stepped away. And do you know what's really funny is that. I then purposely sort of said, look, guys, I've come on the journey this far with you. And uh, really, it's really time for me not to cast a shadow. I really want you guys to, this is your club and your thing, you know, you're more than capable to go away. And um, the one thing that one of the guys said in a, in a little conversation with all the rest of the committee members, he said, do you know what the best thing, the greatest thing that you've been, that you've given to us? Um, and I said, no, I, I don't, I, I don't know. And I, I expect him to say, Oh, you know, it, it was the the sponsor you found for the kit, or I don't know something, and he just said it's the belief that we can do it. And I've yeah. I found that amazing this little belief. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and this very long story, uh, uh, Jerry, comes back to your point, which is that in order to create your to to realise your vision of improving the world through entrepreneurs, right? Is the I think that's the greatest thing that you can 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 do to influence that. It's giving more people the belief that they can do it, and that's yeah. our, and that's our role from my perspective. That's my role in our businesses as we develop leadership teams. Right? It's just giving people the belief that they can go far further than they thought of. Yeah, I think I think that's my mission too with with what I'm doing. I mean, I. You know, I, I have a lot of, well, not a lot. I, I work with some professional athletes and we try to, you know, do camps and stuff, which we've done. We couldn't do it because of COVID, but some of the camps, we would do these things called founders camp. Founders camp is all about teaching kids how to be entrepreneurs. And that whole thing is that, that mantra about, Oh, you know, you believed in us. That is the most powerful. I, I can't, tell you how many times you've take we take these i mean we have three days with these kids and they're from the inner city poor institutional racism you know generational poverty just you name everything against these kids right and it's sad because there is there's not one of these kids that couldn't be a rock star ceo of a startup or do whatever they want to do they just don't have they don't have the opportunity or the the education and you know skills, right? Like you said, building up the skills and the, uh, the tools in order to like build the knowledge and gain the knowledge. Right. And yeah, yeah I, I, 
you know, I, it's funny because when I, when I help young entrepreneurs, <laughs> my mantra, I said this to someone, I said, oh, I, well, we were talking, I was talking with Nick about this because Nick and I are on the Blue Wire podcast network, which is now expanding into the, it's just this massively awesome thing growing like crazy. And Kevin Jones is a CEO. And I first met Kevin back when, you know, Blue Wire had like two or three podcasts and he was thinking about closing it down. He's like, ah, I don't know what to do with this thing. Cause he had no, you know, he, he'd never done it before. And right. I remember telling him, I said, you know, look, I believe in what you're doing. And I, and I told him, I, I will be the first to believe. I, I guess I'm too optimistic this way, or maybe it's just my nature. But if I find a good idea or good talent, like I believe right away, I, I don't, I don't have to, 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 uh, I don't, I don't need to have all the caveat emptor about this, that, and the other thing. It's like, Oh no, I believe let's go make this happen. And yeah, I think that's my role in the world. You know, as I think about it, it's to your point as well. Like when you believe in people and you give them the tools and the opportunity to succeed, that is the most powerful thing you can offer someone. And I, I think that's what I'm trying to do with the podcast and all the books and things that I'm trying to do is I believe in you you can do it. Here's how. And then you're right. Like, you know, with, with blue wires, a great example, like he's growing that thing like a weed. I'm like, it's all you. Right. And we actually had a little falling out a, a little bit about that because it was interesting. Cause for me, I had like a little bit of ego and I'm like, gosh, man, I have, you know, I kind of want to be involved in this, but like, I don't have the skills, some certain skills. I'm like, ah, you know, this is just, I had to really like, reflect and say, no, man, I believe you go figure it out. I'm here to support you and then walk away. I think that's, that takes a lot of courage and a lot of guts, I think. And how have you, how have you fostered that over time? I, I mean, I have a hard time with this. Like the ego gets in the way, you know, and I'm like, uh, you know, it's, I think it's a little bit of a rejection thing, a little bit of, you know, imposter syndrome. I mean, there's all these emotions about it. So how do you, how do you handle that in your own world? Yeah, that's, that's tough, right? But you're, you're, you're right. And I, I'm a, I describe myself as a passionate entrepreneur, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm really passionate and it's very difficult to, you know, and, and I think the key is that the moment that you attach passion to what you're doing, then it becomes much more difficult to then detach yourself from that. And, and I think just having a conscious awareness of it is the, is the key. So recognizing that, you know, your passion, as with everything, it can be a strength and a weakness. And I think that it's important, again, those guiding principles, you know, so I can be incredibly passionate about a business in, incredibly passionate about the vision and our vision at LifeWise. So, you know, our, our vision in, in LifeWise, is a huge vision. It's a, like I said, it's a primary school education platform. And our vision is to become the best platform in the world for preparing children for life. That's it. We want, we, we want to be by far and away the best platform out there for primary school children, elementary school children in the US for just preparing s- children for life. And that's a huge um, it's a huge vision, and I'm incredibly passionate about it. Who I talk to, but the, but as an example, if we're going to launch, if I have an idea for a, a a new feature, product feature, this is going to be a great idea. The 
before we rush off and build it and, th- and tell everyone it's the best thing since sliced bread, you know, we refer to one of those principles. So it enables us to detach from how I feel about it to validate whether it's a good idea. And so, you know, I come back to our making a murderer, you know, um, experience it to understand it. So let's get it into the audience. Let's understand, you know, let's get feedback on it. And let's make sure that our audience, we truly understand whether uh, we we experience it and we truly understand whether it's going to have the the benefits that we think that product is. And I think that's one of the biggest challenges that a lot of entrepreneurs have, which is that they're incredibly passionate about what they're doing. And that creates an element of tunnel vision. And if you haven't got those tools around you, we were talking about earlier about the tools and skill sets which enable you to separate that emotion from your decision-making at the key times. And that's where those principles are key. They give you, they allow you to cut through the emotion and to make good decisions. And I think, so, I mean, does that answer your question in terms of how? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Ray Dallow talks about that in principles as well. I mean, he, he, it was interesting. They built a tool for this, which I mean, was pretty cool about how to, how to vote on ideas anonymously so that the best idea wins. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and he, he was very astute in this and, and it's, this is a subtle thing to think about. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of leadership generally, especially when, you know, young leaders who have so much passion and want to solve problems. And so what they found, what Ray Dallow found was that, and, and this has been proven otherwise too, which is a really interesting way that it's sort of in a roundabout way, other people have proven this too. What he found is that the boss's ideas tended to get uh, raised up and tended to get implemented and tended to get adopted, even though they weren't the best. Yeah. Um, and there was another thing I read about this. Oh, I think it was in, um, it was a leader. It was a coaching book. Oh, and I don't remember the name of it anyway. It was uh, this coaching book, and the, the what 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 and this guy's an expert coach. I think I think I heard him. I must have heard him on McGinnis's podcast because McGinnis is always talks to these awesome coaches. But his his take this this, this coach the coaching habit that's the one. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he was like, look, you know, as a leader, as a CEO, as a whatever, if you're in a position of power, you have asymmetrical influence. And you're also in a bubble because not a lot of people are going to tell you your idea is stupid. <laughs> I honestly, I mean, TJ, like TJ Rogers example, like he would throw out these, all these ideas. Some of them were great. Some of them were horrible, but we had to do them all because he was a CEO and he was a brilliant guy. Right. And it would waste countless hours and days. And I don't know how many decades of time people time have been wasted on crazy TJ ideas, but what 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 this what the the author of the coaching habit talked about was instead of offering a solution to a problem ask the ask the questions to get everyone else to solve the problem themselves so what do you can you know questions like what are you concerned about well what do you think about how we should approach it never as a leader never ever 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 solve the problem your team is trying to solve and that's hard if you're like, if you have an engineering mindset or whatever, it's hard because, you know, you're the boss. You probably have more information than anyone, and you're and 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 you're probably the boss because you're you're competent, 
hopefully, or you've risen to the level of your incompetence that people are like, oh yeah, he's the boss. Just like, let him go. But I, I found that, I mean, and I learned this recently. So this, this is like a couple of years ago that I really started thinking about this more and more. And it sounds like that's your similar approach where all ideas are sort of equal until, you know, they're proven otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, like Ray Dalio, you went, you, you talk about that. He calls it an idea meritocracy, doesn't he? So yes, so what, yes. He says that the best idea wins, which is absolutely, uh, absolutely the, the, the way to do it. And for sure, you know, um, I, 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 I love to talk about it as to, um, as to successes and lessons, right? So what we have in life, we have successes and lessons. And, uh, and I think that the lessons, you know, I, I, I for sure have fallen into that category plenty of times where I'm super passionate about my ideas and, and, um, and, being a passionate leader, it's it's tough, right? And I, I occasionally make those mistakes. You know, I continue to, to make those mistakes as well. Uh, but it it what you, you know, the key to it is to to make sure that you recognise when you're doing it, and then prize yourself out of that. Revisit if you feel like you you were slightly overpowering, or if you felt like you weren't really understanding um, understanding um, other people's ideas then you need to revisit that. So I think, you know, it takes a while for uh, young leaders and entrepreneurs to adjust to that, that, that way of thinking, but for sure it's, it's the way forward. And um, in, in Jim Collins, uh, good to great, you know, the, the um, uh, actually is it Jim, Jim Collins is good to great. It's yeah. uh-huh. one of the um, uh, highly, uh, this, the habits of highly successful people, seven mm-hmm. habits of highly successful people, mm-hmm. the other, which is, um, you know, seek to understand and, I think that you were talking about curiosity earlier. I think that's an absolutely key characteristic of a great leader. And I think that you, you, you've got to, you know, that if you can really ensure that you're continually curious, seeking to understand and really understanding all the ideas in the rooms before judging, I think that's, that's an incredibly powerful skill set to have um, as a leader and um and if you and if you can drive that into your business and and you know you can build a you can build a leadership team or or a small team of people in your business where everyone's got that same that culture of you know listening understanding qualifying considering um and, and make it, you're going to make good decisions way more consistently um and better decisions than your your chap TJ who was just uh, <laughs> shooting from the hip, you know. Uh, well, yeah, he he had a he had a unique style. Let me put yeah. it to you that way. I mean, there's been countless things written about him, and I respect him a lot. He taught me a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like he he was very influential in my career, and um, with all his you know warts and all, and he'd be proud of that he'd be proud of all the things that he would you know do i mean one thing that just so just so you know he's not a complete (laughs) nutcase he's not um he would always give us a harder time during good times than bad times so if things were going really well he was harder on us when things were going really bad he would ease up because he knew he knew that in good times we would slack and in bad times we were working so hard i mean like it, it 
you know, the recession of 2000, 2001 was just horrible for the semiconductor industry. I mean, one quarter we had negative sales. I'm not joking. Like the chart went negative because we were supplying chips to internet companies that were tanking, you know? And, and he knew, I mean, he, you know, we had to, he, he, he was a very, actually very progressive in terms of, you know, compensation and trying like he, 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 he was, he was fit, tough, but fair, I think would be the good word. Yeah, um, I mean, that's, you know? that, that's a, I mean, that's one, one thing that I encourage leaders to do, right. Which is, you know, unfortunately one of the things which is a bit of a taboo subject, but you know, um, well, not taboo, but it's an awkward subject is addressing underperformance. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And one of the things that whenever, every time that any business of ours has a record month, I encourage them, them at that board meeting to address underperformance at that time. Yeah. Every time. It's, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I also believe strongly that, um, you know, poor employee performance or poor team member performance is man is a management problem. I, 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 you know, either you hired someone that wasn't a fit. So it's a management problem. Either you didn't give them the resources. So it's a management problem or, the person's, you know, you didn't recognize that that person. So although of course there's always exceptions to that rule, but if you flip it that way and you say, oh, well, this is a leadership management issue. I need to either figure out how to help this person be successful. And that may not be at your company. Um, There are lots of examples of that where it, it, you know, where people would leave a company then they'd go somewhere else and thrive. I mean, because again, it's, people are messy, right? Yeah. And it's, it's hard to do. So, so yeah, and that's, and that's, and, that, and, that, and we see that so many times in, in businesses, right? Yeah. How many people, have, how many, how many people do you know, talk to you one day about this magnificent hire they've just made. And then within three months or six months of telling you that, you know, the same person's an absolute. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's common or, you know, like. Yeah. Cause it's, cause you can, you don't know. And again, it depends also on your management leadership prowess. Right. I mean, if, if you're if you're a leader that is of service and where I think my again, this is my principle, is that my job as a leader is to make my people successful yeah. beyond my own success. And my job is to remove barriers. So I, 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 I'm the one that like I'm the one that should be sweeping the halls. I'm the one that should be cleaning the bathroom. I mean, honestly, like that's the way I think of it, because our job is not to do it's to think and remove barriers. And the strategy, like we're, you know, the the best leaders I've ever come in contact with have been so humble and so helpful and available. And they like, oh, you have a problem? Okay, how can I help you solve this? Or what do you need from me? As opposed to, oh, you're screwed up. Like, you know, they always took responsibility and they took the ownership of that thing. So find find it interesting how... I can almost correlate that to success of a leader, at least in my my experience. So, yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think you're absolutely, absolutely right. And uh, and um, coming back to that point, which was you know your, your guy TJ there, which was you know it, 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 when things are going well, you know it's ensuring that your your mindset is how do we get absolutely every square inch out of the next step rather than being complacent um uh, because things 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 are going well and uh and that's about you know 
it what often you know businesses are often great businesses are often born out of difficult times actually oh yeah oh yeah and 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 i think it's important to keep that sort of growth mindset comes from maximum having a consistent focus on maximizing everything you can do yeah that ego sets in and oh it's all going great let's head to the beach um you're in you're in deep trouble yeah well that's the whole sales mindset right end of quarter hey great we made our numbers celebrate for a day second day up we're already behind (laughs) it's like oh man um so so my last question for for today is um what advice would you give a young or new entrepreneur that's just starting out on their journey that's yeah that's a that's a tough question there's a lot of things that say i mean can i ask you a quick question before we do that which is yeah what do you think what do you think the what from your experience what do you think the the, the top one or two challenges a new entrepreneur has that you see what do you think the the, the two the two biggest you know the top the most the most common challenges that a new entrepreneur has uh that they work too much in the business and not on the business okay yeah they have a um they're a little too um wrapped up in progress even if progress is silly or doesn't make an effort, like doesn't matter. Like they, they work hard to work hard and opposed to working smarter. Uh, I think those are probably the top two and a lot of, a lot of the other ones. Well, a lot of the other ones stem from that, but the, I would say the third one would be people like understanding how to hire people, how to interact with people like that. What, you know, the whole, like, Per, uh, perpetuating their value system and their culture, like building a culture. Um, Cause that's a hard, that's like, that's the, one of the hardest things in the world to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, absolutely people, yeah, p- p- people are, are building teams of people which have no common, you know, common culture or desire or values or, or, or they're, they're just, yeah. Yeah. Disparate in the way they operate. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I'd agree with those those sorts of things. I think so. Yeah, what's the advice? I I I probably I think I would I would say that um, that's really. It's, I think I think the, the key is right, and this might sound really simple, but I think it's be absolutely clear about where you want to get to, the hmm. vision, hmm. and then and then start, you know, prior, prioritizing be ruthless around what you prioritize as the as the as the um as the next best actions to take in your planning wow i like that i like that ezra be clear about what so just to say again so to be clear about where you want to go and then be ruthless around prioritizing the next actions and steps that you want to take to get there yeah, that's how. That's what I'd say. And I'd, I'd add one other thing to that is that if you're raising cash, Jeff Bezos. I don't know if you. I'm sure you've read this, Jerry. But you know, at, at the every, end of every year, he writes a shareholder report. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're really they're they're legendary. They're yeah. legendary. And and the, and the I think he he then highlights his one key learning, doesn't he? Like the number one thing for that year. And I think eight out of the first twelve years that he wrote it, his number one learning was to have more cash than you need. 
So I think, interestingly, for those that are investing cash, if you were to take the most successful guy on the planet, if his number one key learning, eight out of the first 12 years to have more cash than you need, I'd be difficult to also argue with his uh, recommendation. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Ezra, I really appreciate your time. What an awesome conversation. And I look forward to seeing all the stuff that you're doing and building these great leaders and all these teams that are going to go off in the world and change it for the better. Thank you. Real pleasure talking to you. It's been really, really, really great spending time with you, Jerry. Thanks again, Ezra, for a great, great interview. I really do appreciate all your time and talking to us about your philosophy on building companies. So as promised, here are some actionable insights. Have radical honesty about what you think and feel. Be clear on your vision and where you want to go. Be quote-unquote ruthless about prioritizing the next best steps to get you where you want to be. Borrowing from observations of Jeff Bezos, always have more cash than you think you need. Well, this is one that I definitely need to follow. So there you go. Some actionable insights of, there was a lot we talked about, but those I think were the nuggets of what uh, Ezra and I talked about. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did creating it. My hope is that you learned something that can make you a little bit better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please do share it with friends and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur, and frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA, and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better.